So, I love that song. It talks about peace. Um, no matter what's happening down on earth in Bethlehem, the silent stars go by. There is a peace that pervades all things, that's the source of all things, that belongs to all of us. And we can find it only, as Dorothy Hunt said, here in the heart space where all is welcome, where all is welcome, where you go, okay, this is where I am right now. What next? Thank you, God, what next? Thank you, God, what next? Imagine if you lived your life that way. So the metaphysics of the Bible story about around Christmas, they call Mary the Virgin. What is signified by that is that Mary was pure in heart. She did not question what God asked her to do. She questioned herself for a moment whether she could do it, but then she chose to trust that God knew more about it than she did. Joseph was not happy, but he was a kind and trusting man, and he was going to be gentle with Mary. But then an angel came to him in a dream. Then a message came to him. An angel is a messenger of God that said, wait a minute, don't do that. It's going to be okay. And he chose to trust, trust based on very little evidence. The shepherds out in the fields represent the simplicity of humankind and the unsimplicity of humankind, right? We're just living our daily lives, just doing our work, tending the sheep, and we have all of these fears and thoughts and everything going on. And then the angels come to say, don't be afraid. Again, the messenger of God comes to say, do not be afraid, I bring you good tidings of, of, of joy for everyone in the land. And so the opposite of peace is fear. When we're not feeling peaceful, we're afraid that something is happening, that something might be happen, that might, have, might still happen, might be happen, <laughs> might be happening right now some other place where we can't see or might still happen, or we're worried over what already passed. The Magi came with wisdom, with gold and myrrh and frankincense. Gold meaning riches, earthly riches. Myrrh, signifying myrrh was actually a, a resin used to dress the dead. Isn't that an interesting thing? So there's prosperity and there's life and death and there's frankincense, which is an incense that's considered to clear whatever energy that's around, clear that fearful energy. So um, really beautiful symbolism in this. Um, even the innkeeper is us, right? How many times have we had spirit knock on our door and we say, oh, sorry, no room at the inn. I'm too busy. <laughs> I'll think about that next week. Come back next week. We're having a special. <laughs> Christmas will be over then. And then the baby, true purity, untouched as all babies are by human drama. 
and shining the truth of his spirit. That's Jesus the Christ. Another character in the story was Herod, the king of that land, the king that ruled over Bethlehem. And when the wise men came through and they told Herod, hey, do you know where the king of the Jews is? Because we're on our way to see him. Herod went, no, but let me check on that. <laughs> and he called all of his, his scribes and his seers and his astrologers in and say, said, what the heck is this? And they confirmed what the Magi had said, that yes, there is, um, there is to be born in the city of David this person who will be king of the Jews. And he asked the Magi, you, you know what? I'd love to worship him too. So on your way back through, after you found him, if you would just come tell me where he is, I'd really appreciate that. A little manipulation there. A little trying to get our way. And then again, Joseph was warned in a dream to go a different way home to go home by another way. How many times have I been asked to go home by another way? <laughs> what you're doing ain't working. Why don't you go home by another way? And by doing that, by obeying God, he wasn't there when Herod wrought the horrors that he wrought. He killed the firstborn of every baby from birth to two years old in his land. That's what he had ordered to be done. And here's the really sad thing. Now Herod has that on his soul. And the deal is he never needed to be afraid in the first place. Because as Jesus grew, he made it clear, I'm not that kind of king. I'm not threatening your kingdom. My kingdom is the kingdom of the spirit. And if Herod had been willing to listen to that, he could have lived with his reign over people in the kingdom of the spirit and had a benevolent reign. But instead, he, he, he wrought terror upon the people. So fear is the enemy of peace. Control is the enemy of peace. If you need any convincing, come talk to me afterward. <laughs> because... I learned as a child that if I could keep control over my environment in some way, it helped me feel like I had more control over the chaos that was going on in my household. And what I know now, what I know now, and sometimes I know, <laughs> is that I don't have control over anything anyway. So the peaceful way to deal with that is not perfectionism, is not, let's do all you can to prepare, and then you can rest later. The antidote to that fear of not being perfect, of not having control, of things being out of one's hands, of things going in a way that you don't want them to go, or just suspecting that they might go in a way that you don't want them to go, the antidote to that is peace. And peace is just allowing God to do God's work through us. Allowing, allowing this moment without judgment. This moment without judgment. That means you steal your own peace when you say, I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't think that thought. I shouldn't eat that. 
You know, I wish for you that you come to a place in your life where you eat it or not, knowing that there's a consequence either way, but taking guilt out of the equation. There's nothing wrong with eating a donut. There's nothing wrong with it. What's wrong is how we judge ourselves. And I tell you what, when we judge ourselves, we put ourselves in that place of fear and we're more likely to grab another donut. Ask me how I know this. <laughs> so it's easy to see how fear provokes war in the world. Everybody is afraid that someone's going to come and take what they have. Our wars are not fought over ideologies. They're fought over resources. I want what you have. Or I want to hold on what, to what I have and I don't want to share it with you. And so that's what world wars are fought about. And so can we do anything about that today? Do we have control over that? No, but we can stop the war in here. The war in here. The war that says they're not doing it right and they're not doing it right and they're not doing it right. And if everybody would just listen to me, you can ask me about that after too. Because <laughs> I'm doing it the right way. And at some point we say, would you rather have um, control, the illusion of control, because you never have control. Ah, never only the illusion, or would you rather have peace? I'm in a point in my life right now where I feel great changes happening internally, that I am ready to choose peace. Now, I've been ready up here to choose peace for a long time, but then my actions don't play out in that way. And so I am doing the work with my prayer, with my meditation, with my time with my God, with my time with myself, to figure out what it would mean to actually live peace in my life. Be the peace that you want to see in the world, is what Gandhi said. Be the peace. Not ask for it, not beg for it, not demand it, not force it on anyone, because you can't. Have you ever told someone who was upset, calm down! Be peaceful. It doesn't work. But sometimes, simply your calm presence can allow someone else to settle down. That's how war ends. Because if everybody who's fighting the war isn't afraid anymore, and everybody making the decisions isn't afraid anymore, then there's no reason for war. It's all about fear and greed. I want to read you um, something, just part of it. I've quoted many times from this platform words from my dear friend, the Reverend Christian, Chris Chenoweth. And um, he died on Friday. And he wrote this letter and recorded it to be played on the day of his death. I won't read you the whole thing, it's kind of long. 
But here's what he said. Mark Twain said, the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you found out why. I am no one special, but God worked through me and it became miraculous. I was being guided by God even when I didn't understand the concept. Most of the time, I didn't know what I was doing. A little background, Chris um, runs, has run positivechristianity.org, and he started it, I think, in 1999, about the year that Bob and I met him. And uh, he was told by God that he needed to do an online ministry, and he didn't know what that meant. Most of the time, I didn't know what I was doing. When I started this strange, newfangled online ministry, I didn't even own a computer. I resisted technology. I considered myself a poor writer and an even worse speller. I only had a couple dozen email addresses. But as I've often said, the impossible with God means I'm possible. I couldn't do it alone, and I had help every step of the way. I'm not saying that I've ever had, never had failures in my life. I've had many failures. My failures in life were all my own lower human mind ideas, but they were not defeats. The failures make me smile now, even laugh out loud because they were stepping stones leading me again to God. Life does not go straight up from failure to success. Rather, life is like a spiral that is closely threaded. We are always going up and always have a higher view of where we were yesterday in life and decisions. I am euphoric as I talk to you. God has invested in me, come through me, and I'm overflowing with awe and gratitude. I have discovered that life is not about the harvest we reap, but by the seeds we plant. Let this be my gift to you. Find yourself faith. It not only helps, it is everything. And this is a man whose faith, many times throughout my life, has carried me through a time when my faith was really faltering. He was there. He was there. And he's still here. He's not going anywhere. So what is your inner world war? His war was, he was dying of pancreatic cancer, but he chose not to fight. <laughs> there is no war when you don't fight. He said, okay, God, I see that you're telling me that my time is limited. What else am I to do while I'm still here? And he did it joyously and continued to bring joy even on the day of his death. So what is the enemy of peace? Should, should is the enemy of peace. They should, I should, we should. I, um, I suggest that you might be able to be more peaceful in life by making one small change. Whenever you start to say the word should, change it to could. They could do that. Apparently they're not, though. <laughs> I could do this. I could not eat that donut, but I'm going to eat it. Or I could not eat that donut, and yeah, I think I won't. No judgment, just possibility. 
What if it was all the shoulds in the world were changed to coulds, and then we made the decision from there, and then we are free to make the decision from a place of peace and a place of love? An enemy of peace is any time we control, try to control something that is outside of our control, which means every other human being on the planet. And my dogs and cats. <laughs> the weather. It can't be done. You cannot control another person. And when you try to, here's what happens. You give them power over you. Do you really want to give power to the people you don't even like? You don't like what they're doing? Just let them do what they do. But be sure of what you are doing. I want to be sure of what I am doing, where I am coming from. Am I coming from peace and love, or am I coming from efforts to control? One enemy of peace is thinking that peace is somewhere else. Some other day, some other time some other place. How many times have you gritted your teeth through something and said, I will have some peace later, but right now I'm having dinner with my family? <laughs> or whatever your triggers that stop your peace are. The trigger that completely stops my peace and I have yet to be able to regain it in that environment is Chuck E. Cheese. Yet every grandchild seems to go there for every birthday. So I just learn I, I don't get caught up in the fray. I try to sit in the quiet room, and if I need to go outside, I go outside. Because I can't tell them not to do their parties at Chuck E. Cheese. They like it. I can either go or not go. And I can be either peaceful or miserable. So I've learned to take care of myself at Chuck E. Cheese, waiting for someone something, some situation outside yourself for your peace. When my paycheck comes, I'll be peaceful. When I get the test results, I'll be peaceful. When this problem gets solved, I'll be peaceful. When I die, I'll be peaceful. <laughs> that last one is true, but the others aren't true. When your paycheck comes, you're waiting for the next one. Right? When the problem's solved, there are more problems presenting themselves. At every moment, there's never a shortage of problems. Another way to limit your peace is to gather opinions from everybody else rather than listening to your own heart. Because this heart space where everything is welcome is your connection with the divine. That's where the Christ lives. Right there. Not necessarily in your physical heart, but in the heart of you, in the heart of the truth of who you are. And so when you don't know what to do, taking a poll of what other people think you should do is not peaceful often not helpful. It can be helpful in one way. If you're a contrarian, it can help you identify what you don't want to do. <laughs> or if you tend to live as a pleaser, it can help you identify what will make other people happy, but it does not identify what will make you happy or peaceful. 
And so we have to go into our own hearts, into that connection with God and ask, and ask. And here's the thing, you don't have to like everything in this world, not at all. You just have to see that it is and be at peace with it. Well, you don't have to, but you can if you want. That's the point of this sermon. If Herod had wanted to, he could have had the reign over all his kingdom and been a beloved king and benefited from the teachings of love that Jesus brought over the next 33 years. But his fear stopped him from being able to do that, and his life turned out completely opposite from what he wanted it to be. He wanted to have true control, and you have to go around killing people to maintain control. That is nothing even close to control. So it's our choice. Peace. Peace to you. So let's take that into meditation. As we sit here and calmly just breathe. And we can thank God for this breath that's being provided in this moment. And the breath is simple way into a meditative space because the breath can only happen right now. And what we know is that peace is not some other time. It is only right now, only ever right now. So if you are willing Draw on the peace that is already within you because of your connection to God, your connection to love, your connection to the Christ, to Jesus the Christ. And if you don't feel the peace, don't judge it. you can say to yourself, well, I could be feeling peaceful right now, but I'm not, and it's okay. There are no rules. And this might just free you up enough to say, but I would like to have peace. And pray in whatever way you pray, God, give me peace. Allow me to rest in this moment. And sometimes you may be shown the thing that is keeping you from your peace. And you can say, ah, 
Is that something I really want to give power to? And you could give it your power. It's okay. You can take it back again at any time. No judgment. But just a gentle coming back to the fact that it is not that person or situation that is taking your power. It is you choosing to give it your power. And so maybe peace is as simple as saying, you know what? I only want God power right now. God, please flow through my thoughts and clear out any lies that I'm telling myself. So that I may experience the truth of your eternal peace. silence in this peace. Just be with yourself. sometime during this moment you felt peace just breathe into it and know you could you could be peaceful anytime you want and the more time we spend in peace the more we recognize it and the easier it is to get there So I could remind myself to be peaceful several times a day. I could make peace a priority in my life. No judgment when I forget. A failure is not a defeat. It's a chance to connect again with God and be led. firmly and beautifully into the truth. We are here to love and be loved. And so we could allow this season of love to be exactly that. And we pray, Spirit, flow through me now. Be the love in me, be the peace in me, be the light and life in me. 
be the hope in me, be the Christ. And when we ask believing, so shall we receive. And so we simply say, thank you. Thank you that peace is always a possibility. Thank you for allowing us to claim it. And so it is.